Hi, welcome to My Creativity, the podcast about being creative and producing output. I'm your host, Surrey. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, well, my creativity, from the planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output to the way ideas pop into my head, and to the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. Each week, I go over last week's goals. At the end of the episode, I present some new goals I intend to complete during the week. However, if you've been listening from the start, you'd know that I also have monthly, quarterly, and annual goals. This is the start of a new month. So, May has started... And yes, may the 4th be with you and all of that. Nanu nanu. <laughs> I've probably, probably just caused a few people to punch their iPods or whatever they're listening to. iPods. iPhones. So anyway, let's see. Last week's goals. Release exit plan. Success. Hooray. Released episode 13. In that episode, uh, I meet an elf. And I talk to some people, and I get some help. So that's nice. Send out Season 3 scripts with a deadline for the lines to be returned. I finished formatting, and I've sent the Season 3 scripts out. I've already got uh, all of the readings for uh, Beatrice back from Hem Cleveland. What an absolutely fantastic effort, and thank you so very much. I know you don't listen to this podcast, but there may be other people listening who are interested in contacting a rather you know, professional and excellent voice actor, and Hem Cleveland's the way to go. Uh, you might know her as the voice of the documentarian in The White Vault. I recommend The White Vault. It's a good one to listen to. Uh, add social links and feed links to my other podcast episode pages. Yup. That's there. That's uh, all in draft form. I'm about to go through and click publish on all of those. So that'll that's that's really cool. Finish first draft up to chapter three of book two. Uh, I finished uh, first two chapters. Third chapter is eighty or ninety percent complete. I'll be finishing that tomorrow or Tuesday. So it looks uh, looks like maybe two chapters a week is. My current velocity. So with that in mind, I'm going to finish to chapter 5 next week, I think. Okay. Before we get into the rest of the program, which is a fantastic interview with a very talented and hard-working singer called Fox Ward, I have my end of May, I've got to review April's goals. So April's goals, and geez, I didn't pay enough attention to these, and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to admonish myself on that. So finish my website. I have not finished it. I have increased its completeness. So that's going to be following over to May. Finish my shop. Uh, I did advance it some, but I did not complete it. So that's that's not great. Um, I, th- I think start novel two. Uh, I've done that. That's nice. As I said, I'm... Just about finished chapter three. Uh, there'll be 15 chapters in that book. Publish novel one. No, novel one is 
published. It's out. It's available on Amazon. It's called This Is My Exit Plan by Surrey Hughes, published by Gravity Undone. It is the novelization of the first season of Exit Plan. Uh, so I know it's sort of a strange thing. So Exit Plan is an audio drama, which means it's, if you can imagine, it's a, like an old school radio play. It's all sound effects and narration and, and dialogue uh, between characters. Novel, of course, and is going to be somewhat different in that there's description of what's going on inside their heads, or at least the primary character's head. There's more detail about the world, uh, and there's a couple of extra bits and pieces in there. So it's a richer experience, I think. Uh, so the other good thing about the novel is I get money from it. So I've not asked for any money for anything else, and I don't do advertising. I am hoping that people will enjoy the work I put out and will pay to get more of it and will support me. So if you do want to support me and you want to see me forge ahead and, and do ever greater and better things, by all means, read my novel, recommend other people to it, give me a review. Uh, if it's a good review, then post it up on Amazon. If it's a bad review, send it to me directly so I can immediately correct my novel. Because if I don't know what's wrong with it, I'm never going to be able to do better. Uh, the other one I want to do is run five kilometers each Sunday. I forgot that that was actually my goal. And this is a real sin from my point of view. I should be referring back to these goals every every day, every week. I, I'll let that get away. Okay, so May, uh, you heard it here. And anyone who's listening and feels like uh, trying to catch up on this, catch me out. I'm going to be referring back to these things. Feel free to get me on Twitter at Gravity Undone, or um, yeah, or, or you can email me at gravityundone.net. That's like sorry at gravityundone.net, and you can you can give me some of your goals, but you can also then. You know, ask how I'm going with my goals, making sure that I'm still looking back at my monthly goals because you know these things, these things have to be taken seriously, and I need to continue moving forward because I've chosen my monthly goals to fulfil a quarterly set of goals, which are moving towards my annual priorities. And if I keep doing that, if I keep moving towards these annual priorities, and keep and they are continually moving towards my ten-year mission, then I am continuously succeeding. Even when I fail, I'm succeeding. So that's that's just the way to go. Okay, so I will go over some my May goals at the end of the episode. But first up, I've got an interview with Singer. She's got her own band now. She started nearly 20 years ago uh, as a karaoke singer. The things that I got out of this interview and I'd like you to listen to, she's got a very strong vision of what she wants. And it's taken her time to get that. As I said, nearly 20 years. She sets a high standard for herself and for the members of her band because she knows that's what's going to move them from where they are to where she wants them to be. She has this long-term vision and she shares it with her band and she wants them to see it and believe in it too. She looks at her performance as a business and seeks to add value it's not just enough for her to turn up, and you'll hear her talk about that. And I find this also when we're talking podcasts or we're talking writing or, or whatever you're doing, 
you have to realize that if you want to get paid, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to add some value. You can't just regurgitate. Although I have seen a performance of someone who did that and they got paid very well. So maybe, maybe you can just regurgitate. She also recognizes that there are parts in pursuing her passion that are fun and exhilarating, but also parts that aren't as much, but they must be done. And teamwork and team goals. So without further messing about, here's Fox Ward. So I'm here with Fox Ward, going to talk a little bit about what she does and her singing and music. So first of all, I guess, Fox, could you give us a bit of an introduction to who you are and what you do? Uh, yep, sure. I guess um, in, a, in a day job capacity, um, I work for local government, but by night, I'm a musician. I've been doing it for probably about 20 years, and it was something I very much stumbled across um, in a drunken frenzy at a karaoke bar. And you've been drunk and frenziedly singing ever since? Less drunken, more frenzied. More frenzied, yes, good yeah, work. I find the drunken part tends to um, make it worse, so let, let's not go down that pathway. Started off in then getting a job for a karaoke show based on that drunken frenzy. Can you believe it or not? It was a job oh. interview, as it turned out. Where was that? Uh, down in Bunbury. So this is probably when I was about oh, 18 years old when they first saw me. Um, and then they got in touch with me when I was about 21, 22 and said, look, can you come and work for us? So that sort of started off a probably a, an eight or nine year journey on and off working uh, for a karaoke show up to four gigs a week and basically just uh, back in the old days of flipping the laser discs and putting the CDs on and um, singing over people who were vocally challenged and uh, helping them along when they sort of lost their way. So you're like a, the backing vocalist for them? or Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, if they were really, really bad, I was the front vocalist. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, people lose their way or they lose their timing or they lose their pitch and I was there to sort of bring it back or even occasionally just there as a, a sidekick so that if they were scared about singing on their own, they had someone there by their side that um, made them feel as though that they weren't alone. I didn't know that karaoke places had such things. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. More traditionally, there was usually two people behind a console and you would set up. Uh, places that sort of have fixed karaoke tend, I don't think, to have that kind of thing. But we were more of a different locations, travelling around, getting gigs type karaoke show. So it was um, myself and a gentleman who would set up, run the show, and then we'd move on to the next venue uh, each, each weekend. Well, sounds pretty fun. So that was that was your full time deal. Um, I was um, a mum at the time to two to two small children. So um, I worked a couple of like sort of casual jobs, and that happened to be one of them. It was probably the one that I did the most at the time. Um, it worked really well because the kids' dad was home at night, so I looked after them during the day, and then at night I would go out to work, and he would be home with the kids. So it worked you, quite well for that. Give you a chance sort of to. Have a bit of a sing. Did you enjoy doing the singing while you were Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I did that for about eight years on and off, depending on where the kids were at and that sort of thing. And then um, did actually take quite a bit of a break. I think I was doing about four or five shows a week for about three or four years there. And I started working sort of part-time as well at that point and got a little bit of burnout. So took a bit of a break from the whole music scene for a couple of years. Yeah. But like all addictions, it called me back. Comes back. So what, what does it bring you back to the music? What, is it, um, what do you get out of it? That's a really good question. It's a different space to be in. It's, it's almost like um, having a split personality and up on stage 
I get to be the person that I feel like I am, whereas out in the world, probably not so much. Um, I have a bit of fair, fair amount of social anxiety, surprisingly to most people. Yeah. And so I guess on stage you get that protection of them being over there and you being here, and it just feels a lot more natural. It's quite a common expectation that because I sing in front of a crowd of people that I'm really good at public speaking. Those two things are very different. No, it's like when you see a singer move into a movie to be an actor. Mm -hmm. Clearly skills. very different skills yes. being able to uh, present yourself publicly versus on a stage yep. presenting music. Yeah. I think a lot of people assume that uh, on stage is where you're putting forward a persona in that you are acting, whereas I think... I find that that's where I'm putting on the least amount of persona and the rest of my life is, is more acting, I think, than, than the stage stuff. So I, I've, I've only played a couple of times on stage myself and I've found certainly having the spotlights shining on you, you can't really see this, the, the, the crowd very well. At times, yes. Yeah, you sort yep. of, you know they're there. It and, gives you a disconnect. And you do have a, you know, there is a bit of a feeling that you're kind of uh, behind a, a barrier. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling that's probably why a lot of there's a lot of bands that you know wear makeup or stage costumes or or something because it it provides an extra layer there. It does, yeah. So you you had a bit of a break. How did you get back into it? Um, it was more just a craving for it again. I just wanted to be back out there singing. So I um I touched base again with the karaoke community and then found myself interacting more and more with um, musicians and fell by chance into a band. Uh, they had a gig, they needed someone to step in and just said, look, can you get up and do half a set with us or a set with us? It turned into a set and from there it was like now I'm a permanent member of the band. And so it just sort of happened very suddenly. It wasn't terribly planned, just kind of yeah, just fell into the, I was there at the right place. You felt right the time. calling <laughs> and had to get in on it? Yeah, yeah. And um, that was uh, probably a couple of years with that with that band and then various bands with some of those musicians and interconnecting with other ones and, mm. and that sort of thing. So at the moment you're in uh, Dirty Little Secret. Yes. That, I get the feeling, is that your own band that you put together? It is, yeah, but it's my, my first venturing into it being my band, I guess you would call it, where I'm running running everything and making all of the decisions and um, getting all the gigs and doing all the, the behind-the-scenes work in terms of um, the administrative side of things and, yeah. So, uh, well, how did you get people you know did you audition them or it's your word of mouth um again ads? it was sort of a bit of a fall-in thing I'd I'd um I'd gone through a divorce and kids were growing up and I met a new partner and again there'd been a bit of a break in the music um less by design and more by sort of having to with all of those changes that were occurring uh and was trying to get back into the scene and I was in a new town so I didn't really know many people either getting out there and meeting musicians and I'd auditioned for a few bands myself, got involved with the local music community through the music club and I'd gotten into quite a few bands, it was probably about half a dozen of them, that were either just starting to form yeah. or in other instances they were coming to the end of possibly their run, I guess, in some instances. Uh, and it just kind of wasn't coming together. Some of the earlier bands that were just starting to form, they were really disorganised and the people in them really didn't have a clear vision or direction. And so you'd start off and you'd be rehearsing and working together and they didn't quite have everything that they needed in place or they weren't willing to put the time in that 
I feel I need to present to go out on stage yeah. uh, in terms of the quality show. And so you'd start down the road and then the path would fall away and you'd start down another one and the path would fall away. And I think I just got to the point where um, I'd managed to gather some musicians that I was working with regularly in a loose sort of format and decided, well, you know what, a combination of not seeing it work and having my own idea and watching it work for other people mm. and and sudden realisation that I I have a concept and I'm really quite confident that my concept will work and so I'm going to run with it and just believe that I, I do know what I'm doing and grabbed these couple of musicians that I was connected with and said, you know, let's start something. And it was a, a real hit and miss. I think I've been through five or six guitarists. Um, Do they explode on stage? or? Oh, guitarists are massive divas. Four, yeah. Massive divas. People would assume that because I'm a female musician. You're and a, literally a diva. And a lead vocalist. Yeah. I must be a diva. Yeah. No, no, no. Guitarists. Guitarists are the biggest divas. <laughs> so I went through quite a few guitarists, uh, whether it would be that some of them didn't quite have the skill level that I was after or they didn't have the commitment or... Some even thought that they were so good they didn't need to put in the effort, which of course saw their performance fall off. And I, and I do set a fairly high standard. Been through a few drummers. Again, that just sort of came down to their commitment level in, in most instances. Bass players, I've been pretty lucky. I think I've only been through about three bass players and I have an amazing bass player. So holding on to him yeah. with both hands. And we got to a point where it was like, okay, we've, we've got, a, got a decent group of musicians. We're all kind of on the same page. Everyone understands what my, my vision is. And they understand that it is your vision that you're going to go with? Is yes. That, was that an important yeah. part? It was, yeah. Uh, and some of those musicians were lost as well because they sort of wanted to take things in, in their own direction. And it was often a direction that they'd walked into the, into the band sort of saying, we're tired of doing this. And then they would fall back into those patterns. And it's like, well, you're not going to get a different outcome if you keep doing the same thing. Um, mm. And that's kind of why I've done this is because I kept going with other people's visions and seeing it fall apart. And, and my vision has always been the same. And at times it was even to the point where I would share my vision, the band would fall apart, and I'd see some of those people walk away and put some of my vision into play and it would work for them. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> That wasn't that wasn't right when I was there, but now you're jumping all over it. So like, no, I'm I'm taking my vision. And I'm going to run with well, it. Maybe it took a bit of time. So you're yeah. going to tell us what your vision is, what concept I is. Kind of saw a bit of a hole in the market in that there's lots of bands out there, and this is probably common everywhere. The music industry is fairly heavily dominated by men. Most of the bands in the area are managed by men, mm-hmm. are fronted by men. Female artists tend to be either the backing vocalist or the co-vocalist. Uh, not a lot of the females are actually taking the lead in that space. And even the bands that are out there where they have a female lead vocalist, they get them to sing so many songs by male artists. And we're talking about cover bands here yeah. primarily. They get them to sing so many songs by male artists. It's like, well, why have a female front? The purpose of female vocals should be female songs. And so my vision was to have a band that primarily did covered female artists Uh, even if it was songs that weren't initially by females but were covered by females so an example of that would be I'll Make You Happy is is a song that Divinals covered it was originally an Easy Beat song but the Divinals covered it and I I took the Chrissy Amphlet version of that and just went yep let's cover that it's a great song and this is the female take on it and we can run with that actually I saw that one on YouTube and I was I was having a bit of a look around 
got a live live video of you doing that one. Yes, yeah. yeah there's somebody in the audience has grabbed a, a phone recording of it and, and shared it with us, and we, it was not not too bad of a recording, so we ran with it. Yeah, and, and it's been one of our biggest hits on social media in terms of video marketing. It's been amazing, more than we when, than we thought, definitely. Okay, so let me see. How do you um, how do you keep this this band going? And you, do you have do you set uh, goals or targets for the number of songs to to cover, or um, how often you're going to change a set around, or any of those sorts of things? The band, as it is in this current format, uh, by the time we actually got together to a point where we were comfortable to get on stage and actually start seeking gigs, has really only been about eighteen months. So initially, in those, those first stages, when I found the right fit. The plan was very much about getting our set list up. To do your average um, three to four hour gig, you need 40 to 50 songs. Yeah. Uh, so for the last 12 months, it really has been a focus on, first of all, getting that initial set list up, refining it and, and really getting those songs down pat and, and covering the key parts of them and making our sound tight and, and fat and good and then making sure that we were constantly learning new things so that we weren't going out to the same venues and playing the same titled songs. The great thing about the direction that I've taken with the band with the female artists is there aren't many bands out there that cover a lot of the songs that we cover. No. So even though they're popular songs, the feedback that we get is, hey, you know, wow, great to hear that finally. So we wanted to make sure that when we got that feedback, we stuck to that that direction and, and kept picking those songs by popular artists that people knew but just weren't getting covered too much. You can find yourself in a position where you're going out to venues and you might go out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and see four completely different bands playing exactly the same songs. Credence. Um, hey, Credence. Summer of 69, Jesse's yeah. Girl. Yeah. No. <laughs> now, we avoid those kind of things as much as we can. Of course, there's some that you kind of have to do. Horses, oh, my God. So those first sort of 12 months were really focused on getting the, the set list up and making it quality. Uh, and in that space, we were also building our, our, our back line, so getting the sound gear that we needed. Can't sort of rely on the venue having sound gear. Mm. And if you really want your band to work, you can't rely on somebody on stage trying to control the sound while they're trying to perform. So I also have, um, fortunately, a partner who was also an amazing sound guy. And he works for the right price, absolutely free. (laughs) So we as a business were also building our entire sound and lighting show that went along with that, making sure that not just our rehearsed sound was right, but also we had the the sound and lighting show to put, put that forward in the kind of quality that we wanted to. So where do you see this going yeah, in the future? Do you have, um, say, anything, thoughts about in five years' time or ten years' time? Or Absolutely. Is... My vision is to crack that market of being one of the top um, cover bands in Western Australia. Uh, a lot of the ones that have been around for many, many years and have a fantastic reputation, uh, with all due respect to those fantastic musicians, they're getting on in years. <laughs> uh, retirement can't be far, far down the road. And there's not a lot of really solidly established bands up and coming mm. that can fill that gap if, if that retirement space comes for those well-known cover bands, um, party bands. So we really want to try and be a part of that space if we can, definitely. So there is a vision to, to grow more. At the moment, we're a four-piece band. We consist of a drums, guitar, bass and vocals. Um, on the hunt for a keys player very rare species a good yeah. keys player especially especially when it comes to synth 
So during the 80s, you probably would have would have had more success, but definitely now it's fallen out of. I think I think maybe it is coming a bit back in the yeah. fashion. Yeah, yep. And we're also up against that whole fall of um, live music in the West Australia scene from venues as well, pushing back against a bit of a hole that that, that opened up in that area for a while there. But I think it's coming back. Um, so yeah, we need to grow the number of members in the band so that we can make sure we can fill that sound and cover the kind of music that we want to. Definitely. Well, that sound. We are a keyboard player would certainly help with a lot of different sounds there. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of songs at the moment we just can't do because we, we don't have that that extra sound of the keys. So from your experience in, in doing all of these uh, you know, karaoke through to working with other people's bands and starting your own set, is there any lessons that you've, say, picked up or, or thoughts that you think would be good to pass on to um, the next generation of people, you know, the 18-year-old who thinks they might like to do a bit of karaoke and perhaps start a band or, or what have you? Definitely. I think the first thing that people need to understand is it's n- not all fun. It's a lot of hard work that goes into that. And ACDC tells you that, right? Definitely, yeah, a long way to the top. Not even not, not just for the musicians, but just that would definitely be a message to people everywhere. There is this expectation from a musician's perspective that I want to go out and be in a band but they don't think about the hard work that happens behind that, especially when you're running that band. You've got, you've got to make sure that everybody gets paid. You've got to make sure that, that you know, contracts are in place where they need to be so that, that the band does, in fact, get played and paid and not, not, um, not ripped off. Um, there is the work in terms of you've got to put in those rehearsal hours so that your sound is right. If you want to be paid well for what you're presenting, you do actually have to present a quality product. It doesn't just happen it's not enough to just want to be on stage Mm. there is work involved in that and then of course that message to people that that wanting to hire those musicians a lot of people have this expectation that we're going to get a four five piece band with a great lighting show and fantastic sound and they're going to bring all of their gear and play for us for a couple hundred bucks and some beers or just for pizza and beers no there's a huge investment that goes Mm. into that not just for your instruments but you know we carry around forty thousand dollars worth of sound and lighting and if you want that quality sound, that's what it costs. So on both sides, there's a lot of work and a lot of blood, sweat and tears and, and money and investment that goes into putting on a good show. You can't just chuck it together and then expect to go and get a $1,000, $2,000 gig. There's a lot of teamwork involved. I think people forget that. Music can become a very individual thing. People can become very focused on their personal goals. Uh, you have to have a team goal. Yeah. Everybody has to be on the same page and you need to be able to work together and really communicate what your expectations are if you're the band leader and to make sure you understand and are honest about your ability to commit to that band if you're a part of if you're just a band member. That's definitely been something I've learnt along the way going through various versions of this band and, and having to let people go or having to see them walk away because you try and communicate the level of commitment that that you're after and what your vision is and they'll say yep 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 I'm behind it just to be a part of it and then they'll realize that no they don't have the time to commit so I think it's really important to to look within yourself and understand how much do I want this how much am I willing to put into it yeah how much am I willing to learn about myself as I go because everything is a lesson Um, every musician you work with has something to learn from you and you have something you can take away from them Sometimes it's good stuff, sometimes it's bad stuff, but there's always something. And 
knowing that it is not the easy road. Lots of people think, oh, you decided to be a full-time musician. Oh, it's because you don't want to work hard. Yeah. It's one of the hardest working groups. If you really want to do well at it, it's well, hard, hard work. It's got to be similar to a uh, small business in many ways. Absolutely. A, you wouldn't go thinking that the, the person running a, a contracting business of some sort is just taking it easy because all they have to do is sit around and wire up some electricity. Yep. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. So I, I suppose to, to finish off, first of all, how about you tell us the name of your band and where we can find information? Um, the name of the band is Dirty Little Secret. If you're going to look us up on social media, definitely look for Dirty Little Secret, the band, or Dirty Little Secret movie uh, music, rather. Otherwise, you'll find a whole other Dirty Secret. <laughs> yeah, and I always say to people, no judgment. If you want to follow that too, go for it. <laughs> but we are on Facebook as uh, Dirty Little Secret, the band, and uh, we're on Instagram as well as Dirty Little Secret The Band. Or you can look me up, Fox Ward. I'm both on Facebook, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Fox Ward Vocalist. Um, and we're available there. We've got uh, videos. If you're interested in um, hiring our services, you can email us at bookings at, dirty, at dlsmusic.com and get in touch with us that way. Yeah. Well, it's great. Well, thank you very much for no your worries. time. That's been excellent. <laughs> Cheers. Finishing up then, I hope you got a lot out of that interview and I hope you can see that the people I'm talking to are not massive successes. They are people who are on their way because the target audience for my podcast are people who are on their way. And there's not much point in me interviewing, as fun as it would be, uh, it's like interviewing, say, Elton John or Billy Joel who have just like reached the pinnacle of their career They've done it all. They're fabulously successful. And you ask them, how would you do it? They probably don't remember and don't know. Uh, they can give you some general ideas of where they are now, but that would be ideas of, of success that they have learnt after many years of being successful. And this is what I get when I listen to podcasts where they interview really successful people. I say, you know, how did you do it? And talk me through what you think is important. And they they kind of... I don't feel that connection with them. And the answers they provide, I sort of think, yeah, that, it's too general. I, I don't feel at this point that that's authentic. And I don't blame them for that. I think it's going to be the case as well. You get back, catch up to me in 20 years' time, and I'm sitting on a mountain of written novels with a portfolio of, of audio dramas and movies and TV shows behind me, and I will probably pontificate endlessly about how to do it and how I did it and people will just roll their eyes up and they go yeah that's cool but you're already there so in two weeks time I'm going to be presenting another interview with a self-published author who is now going down the route of working with a, a publisher but he's also writing some podcast material so audio drama just announced the release of his first audio drama which is called Danson it's set in Alabama. It's about some kids. Yeah, we're talking late teens. Kids who are implicated in some way in some sort of a death. And there's an investigation going on about it. It's pretty cool. And I dare say it's going to be the most awesome audio drama. Maybe beside Exit Plan. Who knows? In part because I'm playing uh, Jake Hanover in that particular audio drama so keep your ears peeled 
and cheer along every time I stutter out a worried sentence or swear because you know exit plan I've kept pretty clean but I do say some naughty words in dancing look out for that it'll be fun okay so May goals for May I am going to number one goal is each week when I go over my weekly goals I'm gonna have a look at my monthly goals okay I'm I'm gonna write that down right now because this past month I got slack thinking that I was just doing okay and I just wasn't so uh, each week review monthly goals okay that's a goal for May I'd like to say finish my website for May but that's that's too vague my websites never gonna be finished I'm gonna say get my shop operational that is gonna be done I will continue working my website but shop operational so by the end of May you dear listeners will be able to go to my shop and buy worthless merchandise now you'll be able to buy my print copies of my my novels and probably some select other bits and pieces that uh, seem appropriate also in May okay run five kilometers each Sunday this time I'm gonna remember that I only did it twice because I and I was gonna do it this morning but I forgot that it's actually one of my monthly goals to do because I wasn't reviewing my monthly goals had I done that I'd, I'd be doing uh, I got my exercise today don't you worry about that uh, I filled the trailer full of uh, logs and brush off cut because I'm clearing out my backyard novel two if I'm doing two chapters and I'm going to be finishing five, then there's going to be six more, 11 chapters. Um, so I'm not going to say finish first draft of novel two. That's not going to happen. I will get to about chapter 10, 11, I reckon, by the end of the month. Okay, next week's goals. Exit plan again, of course. We all know that. Next week is episode 14. That's the second last episode. Uh, that's got some brilliant action in there, a bit of suspense. Oh no, what's happened to Sasha? And where is this narrator doing his journals from? Since he seems to have said that he's you know, in some different place without power and can't be seen at night. Let's see, I need to... Okay, finish first draft up, up to chapter 5 of book two and okay get a product operational on the shop get product operational with you know test payment process at the moment it's not going to be an operational payment i need to test that that'll be coming after i actually get a product showing an operational able to be added to the cart and all the rest of it and i'm going to leave it at that those three goals well no fourth goal run five kilometers on sunday right you know i've got to refer back to my month monthly goal which is to do that radio well thank you very much for listening if you're interested in having an accountability partner by all means send in your goals the same way that i'm doing here uh, you can use a uh, like a screen name or a fake you know some sort of name for me to refer to you by rather than using your real name or you can give me your real name i don't know you can get me on Twitter at Gravity Undone. You can email me, sorry, at gravityundone.net. Uh, you can uh, you could probably message me on Facebook, but does anyone do that anymore? That's kind of daggy, isn't it? Give it a shot if you like. I'll be listening. Or you can... How else can you get in touch with me? Oh, at my creativity pod, uh, or at spacebrainspod, or at Surrey Hughes on Twitter. All of those on Twitter will work. 
at Gravity Undone dot is probably the best one though. Then I will go over your goals and you can tell me how you went with the last ones and we can work together to make sure we advance ourselves. Thank you. See ya.